the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It's the Nick D Podcast. I am Nick DeGilio. I am your host. Welcome to episode number 192 of the Nick D Podcast. It is the first Tuesday of the month, the first Tuesday, November 2023. And every first Tuesday of the month, that means it's for the people. That's right. It's a for the people episode. You love these episodes. I love these episodes. They're fantastic. They help you out. We're here to help. Herb Weisbaum is our consumer guy. He, uh, you can check him out at checkbook.org and all over the place. He has been uh, following the consumer world for many, many, many years, and he's been helping us out back when I was on that idiotic radio station uh, that is now a car wash. And uh, all the times that we've been doing these uh, on the podcast once a month, Herb will help you out with any consumer issues. If you think you're getting ripped off, you want to avoid scams, you want to keep your money safe, you want to keep your money smart, you want to watch your credit, Anything consumer-related with your money, keeping it safe, keeping you away from scams and helping you out with your money, Herb is here, and he provides invaluable help and invaluable service, and I am thrilled to have him on once a month. Also, for For the People, our car guy, the one, the only, the very entertaining and one of my favorites, Tom Appel joins us. He is the publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Any and all consumer car-related needs. You got a car that you want to lease. You're looking to buy. You're looking. What's a good car? What's what? You know what can uh, what can you use uh, in terms of help for cars and repairs? Anything automotive or car-related. This guy is the best. He is an expert. Publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. We're going to talk about all things car-related with new auto stories and help you out and tell you about some of the new cars that Tom has been driving. So, consumer help with Herb. Car help with Tom. All for the people. My dad is going to stop by and tell a joke. For the people does not stop my dad from busting down the door and talking to this lady. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby, and I know you love my dad, don't you? Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do. So my dad's going to stop by, Russell Carey out of the way, and tell a joke as he does every single Tuesday on the podcast. Esmeralda Leon has the day off because it's for the people. She will be back on the next episode. So we'll begin the For the People podcast uh, in a couple of seconds. But I want to make sure that you know that you can be a sponsor of this show. You know, a lot of people, seriously, a lot of people listen to this podcast. You want to help out uh, with yourself and your advertising? Do it. You got a business you want to advertise? You want to be a sponsor? Trust me, it's going to be good for you. Be a sponsor now. Let us know. Say, I want to advertise on the Nick D podcast. Sales at radiomisfits.com. Drop those notes now. You want to leave a voicemail? Any kind, anything, contributions, suggestions, anything you want to say, we want to hear. It's the voicemail message, and it's open 24-7 for you. So call us now, 773-417-6948. Leave those voicemails 24-7-773-417-6948 or drop us an email with any questions or anything you want to say. It's the Nick D Podcast, right? So it's nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Jason Skaggs does all the music and the themes and the sounds and the weirdness, and he's awesome. And 
Ed does everything else with Radio Misfits. Please take the time to rate and review us. We're available on every platform. And uh, we want to hear your feedback. So that's what we want to do. And by the way, speaking of feedback, uh, I would like to play uh, some feedback from a grumpus. This guy's a grumpus. <laughs> Let me just play the grumpuses. This guy's a grumpus. Let me just play his little uh, his 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 voicemail, and then I'll talk a little bit about it. But again, this is a voicemail that we received at seven seven three four one seven six nine four eight. I listened to all of them, and I play some of them back. I had to, I seriously I had to play Mr. Grump here. I had to play his theme. I had to play his voicemail back. So this is a listen. To. Hey Nick, um, I really like your show, but can you please retire? the gag about you not recording on the day that's actually broadcast. I understand the concept. I think we all do. In fact, someone might be listening to a podcast three months after it posts so that we know that you're not recording it on the day we're hearing it. Thank you. He sounds so pissed. <laughs> I'm going to play it one more time because he's so pissed. He's so angry. Listen, listen to how angry this guy is. Listen to how pissed he is. It's fucking hilarious. Man. Hey, Nick. Um, I really like your show, but can you please retire the gag about you not recording on the day that's actually broadcast? I understand the concept. I think we all do. In fact, someone might be listening to a podcast three months after it posts so that we know that you're not recording it on the day we're hearing it. Thank you. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. Oh, dude. <laughs> By the way, I just want to make sure that you know that I'm recording this. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually on a Monday. I'm recording this on a Monday. It's, it's supposed to be a Tuesday, but I'm not recording it on. This is not actually a Tuesday. But we want to give you the, uh, the, the illusion that it's a Tuesday, but in fact, wait a minute. Oh, God, we're not recording it. Oh, wait, hold on. It's a different day. When this guy called up, he was really angry and perturbed and being a grumpus. I don't know. It was a Monday. I believe he called on a Monday, but this is, you're going to hear this on a Tuesday, but you might be hearing it a couple of weeks or maybe even three months later. But man, I don't, what day is it? I think it's three months later. I got a time machine. And when I do these things, I like to record them when I die. I don't know. So it's a Tuesday, but it might not be a Tuesday. I'm not really sure. I just like the fact that this guy is so pissed off about something so stupid. It's unbelievable. Hey, Nick. Oh, um, yeah. I really like your show, but can yeah. you please retire no. the gag about no. you not recording no. on the day that's actually broadcast? I can't, I can't do that. I understand the concept. You I do? Think we all do. I don't think anybody In does. In fact, someone might be listening to a podcast really? three months after a post. No. No. So that we know really? that you're not recording it on the day we're hearing it. You, do, you don't know that? You, you do know that? Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what day it is, but uh, it's the day that you're listening, I think. Oh, is it? Uh, oh, okay. Whatever. Hey, Nick. All right, enough. People get mad about the stupidest shit. It's unbelievable. Anyway, it's not Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? I think it is. Maybe. Oh, you know what? I'm actually recording this four months in the future for the people who are listening to it four months ahead of time. Whatever. <laughs> hey, get this book. It rules. Hey there. Are you tired of that same old, the same old stories? Well, buckle up because Brian Alaspas Devoured. Yeah, that's right. Brian Alaspas Devoured is about to take you on a wild ride. St. Louis is teetering on the edge with riots, unrest, and the mayor's downright stubborn insistence that the 4th of July must go on. But don't tell that to public safety manager Logan Field. 
He's got problems bigger than the most overcooked barbecue. With a deadly attack, a missing boy, and mysterious events that make your Aunt Sally's ghost stories look like a fairy tale, something sinister is brewing in the city. Logan's at his wit's end. The only help he can find is a struggling hunter and a professor who's a whiz with ancient evils. It sounds like the start of a bad joke, right? But there's nothing funny about what's awakening in St. Louis. So join the race against time as this unlikely trio faces down an evil as old as time itself. Think your commute's tough? Try saving a city from being, you guessed it, devoured. Brian Alaspa's Devoured will have you laughing and gasping and frantically flipping pages. So grab some popcorn, turn down those lights, and dive into a world where saving the city just might be the craziest 4th of July ever, and trust us, it's more exciting than a sparkler, and the only thing that might get burned is the midnight oil as you read till dawn. Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Thrilling, chilling, and the perfect way to spice up your summer. It's available now in paperback for Kindle exclusively through Amazon.com. Brian Alaspa's Devoured. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jackal. Herb Weissbaum is the Consumer Man. Yes, he is your hero when it comes to consuming the Consumer Man. Oh, yes, Herb is your man. That's right. He is our man. He is the Consumer Man. He joins us on uh, the first Tuesday of each month, which is the For the People-themed episodes of uh, the Nick D Podcast. Herb is here to help you out. He's with Checkbook.org and so many other places and has been helping people out with consumer issues for many, many years, and he helps us out every month. And hello, Herb. Hiya, Nick. How are you? Well, wet. It's uh, Fall has arrived in Seattle, and uh, it's just raining, 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 raining. Mm-hmm. But isn't that the way it is all the time in Seattle, or am I just, uh, am I just feeding into a cliché? You are, well, with climate change, we've had a lot warmer and sunnier summers, but the rains are here for the fall, and boy, oh boy, it's been unbelievable. Wow. All right. Well, stay dry if you can. Better than snow, my friend, as yeah, you would I know. agree. I agree. <laughs> so tell everybody about uh, the Consumer Man, what you've been doing, how long you've been doing it, where they can get a hold of you, and all that cool stuff, and then we'll jump into some of the news that you guys have been covering. Sure. I've been doing this for more than 40 years. I'm currently a contributing editor at checkbook.org. We're a nonprofit that helps people find better services. We don't take any advertising money or dollars whatsoever. So as we see it as the way we call it, I write a weekly column for checkbook.org. I also do a bi-weekly podcast called Consumerpedia. And uh, you can find more at checkbook.org or my website, consumerman.com where a lot of nick d podcast listeners wind up they sign up for my weekly newsletter it's free and then you find out everything i'm doing and have all the links and you can write me there and i answer your questions because nick when your people write i do respond well i appreciate that they appreciate that we all appreciate that so make sure you check out consumerman.com sign up for that newsletter it's free and send all your questions to him uh as uh, as nick d podcast listeners so there you go all right, we got a bunch of stuff uh, to talk about, and uh, obviously, since it is, uh, you know, the first uh, Tuesday in November, um, uh, we're getting close to holidays, and people are going to start the holiday shopping, and maybe even a little bit later for those procrastinators. 
But, uh, you know, the holiday shopping, want to get into more details about that. And I know you have tips and you have stories and tips on how to, to do the best you can during the holidays for shopping. But one of the things that you need sometimes to do your holiday shopping, not all the times, uh, but is a credit card. And, uh, and you did write about how to pick the right credit card. And I know that this could be, uh, you know, a, a confusing landscape for some people on what's the right one. You don't want to get tricked into a credit card that's not good. You don't want to get really, you, don't want, to, you want to watch the interest. You want to watch this, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes it's, it's, it's a little bit more complicated and difficult than people think than just like, I'll take that, that credit card and that's it. So what are your, your thoughts on how to pick the right credit card? What are your, what are your tips? Sure. And in this article for Checkbook, we'll actually walk you through step by step of the things you have to know and the decisions you have to make. But I want to start with the bottom line, if I could. And I think you will agree with this, knowing your background. This is a quote from a friend of mine, Bill Hardikoff, CEO of BillSaver.com. And he said, credit cards are the best financial tool around if they're used properly. If they're not used properly, they're the worst financial tool around. Using them properly means paying them off in full and on time every month. If you're not going to do that, then don't apply for a credit card. That's the bottom line here. Some people shouldn't have a credit card uh, unless you know how to use it responsibly because you can get in deep trouble. I know you know that, but we wanted to start the article off with that way because don't yeah. even apply if you're not if you're not in the right in the right place or the right mental mindset or the yep. right financial situation to have a it, credit it, card. It so. took me a long time to dig dig myself out of some massive credit card debt, and I absolutely echo those sentiments entirely. It's a, it was a, it was a really rough go for a long time. Yep. Uh, it was not pleasant, and you don't want to go through that. Trust me, you don't. So three questions we said to ask yourself. Does using credit encourage you to overspend and create debt? What's uh, And also, what do I want this credit card for and how will I use it? You know, there are situations where if you're going to buy a big appliance or something and, and because of cash flow reasons, you just can't pay it off all at once, then a credit card makes sense. And you maybe pay a little bit of interest, but, you know, instead of sucking money out of the bank or money you may not have, you pay it off in a couple of payments. You just don't keep dragging the debt on forever. Right. Sometimes you get the, you want to buy it because if you're online, you get the protection of a credit card. The most protection you can get when you shop uh, online is with a, with a credit card. So if, if you have a good reason to get the card and you're, you're all set with that, the first thing you have to do is you have to find out what your credit scores are. And right. that makes that's because the the cards basically set it up for these cards are for so people with some such and such a credit scores. These are were such and such a credit scores. And by knowing and, and if you go to websites that actually separate the cards for you, they'll tell you here's people for fair credit, for good credit, for excellent credit, that kind of thing. So you won't waste your time applying for cards that you don't know you're, that you know you won't qualify for. And also every time you apply, it does ding your credit score just a little bit. So you don't want to willy nilly just apply for cards. So first of all, you find out what your credit scores scores are. If if you can't get it from your bank for free, there are a number of, of websites. They're all linked in my checkbook story, but you can get them free at NerdWallet. Wallet Hub, and there's also freecreditscore.com. That's from Experian. Just make sure that you don't find yourself being uh, urged to sign up for some service like identity protection or credit monitoring or anything like that. You just want the free credit score and basically don't let them uh, nudge you into buying something you don't want to buy. So that, sure. that's good. Yeah. Um, the other thing is uh, rewards cards, which is something that everybody seems to want these days, they are only available to people with the highest credit scores. So if you don't have a really good credit score, don't even think about a rewards card. And as we'll talk about later, a rewards card is only for somebody who pays off their balance in full each and every month, because if you're paying interest, then you're going to erase any benefits you get from that rewards card. So steer clear of them completely unless you pay off your credit card balance in full every single month. 
Okay, and that's good. That's that's interesting advice. You know, some people are like, uh, you know, I, I think some people people think you know getting a credit card means that I don't have to pay. You know, uh, one of the one of the enticements of getting a credit card is okay, I can get this, but I don't have to pay the thing in full. Uh, and and uh, 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 but that but but the idea is that you should. That's that's the that's the important thing is that you should. Even if like the enticing thing about getting a credit card is I can buy this and not have to pay for the whole thing for right. a while. And let me tell you why. Are you sitting down? Yeah. You want to know what the average credit card interest rate is as of August 20, uh, 2023? Oh, God. What? 21.19%, according to the Federal Reserve. 21%. So of every, imagine if you got a paycheck and every $100 you were giving 20% is throwing in the trash. Yeah, you don't have to pay your credit card bill in full. And they'd love you not to pay your credit card bill in full. But just think about how much money that you would have if you paid it off in full, as opposed to giving 20% to the credit card company. And, and according to a recent bank, Bank rate survey, almost half, 47% of the uh, cardholders they surveyed carried a balance from month to month. And an average balance is almost $6,000, according to TransUnion. So there is, there's a lot of money uh, that is being wasted uh, on credit card uh, interest that does not have to be paid if uh, people are just thoughtful on how they use and don't have that. And by the way, there's a, I should get this. This wasn't in my story, but I've heard this before. There is a myth out there that if you don't pay your credit card balance off in full, you sort of leave a little bit and pay it off, that you'll get a better credit score. Wrong. That has nothing to do with improving your credit score whatsoever. I pay my credit card balance off in full each and every month, and I have a stellar credit card credit score because I pay on time all the time. I have several different types of credit. I have several credit cards. I have a, a, a car loan. That's what the, those are the things that uh, help your credit score. Yeah, keeping a keeping a balance and paying some interest does not increase your credit score in any way shape or form and if you have too big a balance and you max out your cards it's going to lower your credit score right well i you know i've heard that too in the past that's been a consistent thing for many 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 years is that yeah don't pay the whole thing off because it, you know your credit your your uh, credit score will will go high if you yeah. still have a balance and, and, and yeah. if they show that you can consistently monthly pay things off you know, right. that's that's kind of the myth that uh, that's yeah. been out there for a long time. So totally wrong. So you so you want to look at the interest rate. Uh, something else to consider is if you travel outside the country, do should you be looking for a card? And you should. I have one that doesn't charge a foreign transaction fee. Otherwise, you're going to pay one to three percent for every charge you make when you are outside the country. So, again, that can start to eat away. So you want to look for that if you're a traveler and then an annual fee. What is the annual fee? How much is the annual fee? You can get very good credit cards without annual fees. Some of the premium cards, there's no way around it. You have to pay an annual fee. If you're getting something in return that's really good. I mean, if you're a frequent flyer, frequent traveler, and the card is giving you maybe free entry to the airport lounge, and you get free baggage, and uh, you check baggage, and you can do several things like that, free hotel nights, et cetera, then it may be, it's probably worth paying that uh, fee, whatever it is, uh, up to a $100, sometimes a little more, because look at the value. I mean, I have a, an American Express card that's associated with Marriott, the hotel I travel all the time, and every Every uh, year, I get a free hotel room, which were more than the little bit of fee I paid to belong to them to get the merit card. Plus, I get yeah. little points, et cetera. But you know, that's for most people. I asked Ted Rossman this. For most people, um, the best card is a no annual fee credit card, simple, plain vanilla card that pays two percent cash back. You can use cash for anything. You can use cash to pay airport uh, airplane tickets. You can use cash to pay down your hotel bill. You can pay cash to just 
buy your groceries. Cash is like the ultimate reward. So, uh, you know, unless you're, and, and these, they're complicated. You know that, that the airlines keep changing, the rules keep changing. It's more points are going to be needed. It's more miles that it's going to be needed. So unless you really know how to work the system and you really do have to work the system and you're going to get some big advantage with it, a basic plain vanilla, no annual fee credit card, uh, that gives you 2% cash back. I think Ted's right as, as, a, as a basically starting point for a whole lot of people. Hmm. Uh, you know, g- g- I ask a quick question here. This is an aside. Sure. Uh, Absolutely. How did the credit card companies determine or figure out what the minimum due is? And, and, and that always is another way, I think, that kind of entices people uh, to not pay. Uh, everything off because it's like oh this is all that's due you know what i mean like when you open up your statement they they are kind enough to say well you, if you don't want to pay anything here's the minimum that you could pay how does that how is that determined how is the minimum due each month determined by the credit card company it used to be one percent interest and if i'm not mistaken there was some regulation that told them they had to kick it up to at least two percent not 100% sure of that, but I believe they were required yeah. to do that. And basically, um, you know, that means that you're going to be paying off. If you have the average credit card debt that we were talking about, almost $6,000, you're going to be paying back uh, that card for almost uh, 17, 18, 19 years, something like that. That's a lot. Of, and you're going to be paying thousands of dollars in interest. Yeah. So that's why they're happy to do that. Yeah. Uh, and if you look at the statement, they're now required to tell you on their if you make the minimum payment, this is how many years it's going to take right. you to pay off this credit card debt. I yeah. mean, the, the the one thing about making the minimum payment that is really important is if you were making the minimum payment is much better than not making a payment and missing the payment and getting a late fee. If right. you make the minimum payment, you've made the payment. So you're not going to get dinged on your credit score. You're not going to get hit with a late payment fee. Right. So at the very least, if that month you're stretched or you can't make ends meet, at least pay the minimum payment because that stops you from getting dinged uh, with something, uh, you know, that's going to be worse. So that, right. that, that is the one value of at least knowing what that is. Yeah. By the way, I got, I got, so here's a, here's a, what I got from Rossman at bankrate.com. I was looking for this to answer your question. So again, we're assuming that this is the average person who has the average uh, credit card balance, right? Yeah. And uh, if you're making minimum payments, it would keep you in debt for more than 17 years and cost you $9,000 in interest. Jeez. That's amazing. Which is, which is why if you can't do that, if you can't do more than the minimum payment, one of the subheads we have in the story is getting what's called a 0% interest balance transfer card. Yeah. And that might make sense for you because you can stop the clock ticking on that interest for 12, 18, in some cases, 21 months. The deal is you've got to pay that. You want to pay it off in the time period because once the, the time period is up, you start paying interest on it again at going rates, which, as right. we said, is 21, 22 percent in most cases. Right. But this is a way to dig yourself out of a hole to buy yourself some a grace period. The smart way is you transfer it over. There is a fee to normally do this. And in most cases, that fee is, uh, you know, three to five percent of the balance you're going to transfer over. So if you transfer that six thousand dollar balance over, which is the average balance Americans have, you're going to pay about one hundred and eighty to three hundred dollars to transfer it over. But again, that's why Rothman was doing the math. If you only made the minimum payment for seven years, 17 years, you'd pay nine thousand dollars. So the couple of hundred dollars fee up front is a lot cheaper than than the alternative. Yeah. Take what you have, take that balance, you know, $10,000 and 18 months, divide 10,000 by 18 and make sure you're making that payment every single month so you can whittle down that balance. So when it's all said and done, 
you're done with the paying the balance off. Don't kick the can down the road. Don't think this is a get out of jail card for free. Don't start, please, charging more on the card, thinking now you, you know you got this out of jail card for free. Use this as a financial tool that can help you get your head above water. And uh, you know if you use it that way, it can be a very very good financial tool. Okay. Now, what about uh, retail credit cards? Uh, you you cover that in the, uh, you guys cover that in the story as well. What what about those? I mean, uh, I, that's the first credit card I ever had was for uh, Montgomery Wards. That was my very first credit card. Boy, are we dating ourselves? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, and I yes, and I've had a retail credit card as well. Retail credit cards, again, as with any credit card, if you have a reason to have it because you shop at that store all the time and you pay it off in full every month can be great. We have a Nordstrom credit card, and I think my wife has a something else credit card because she shops there all the time and we get special sales and we get a day early before there's a special sale and there may be a 5% ongoing discount and all kinds of things you might get if you shop there. The problem with retail credit cards is they are the most expensive credit card out there. And if you don't pay it off, you think the 21% credit card I was telling you about was high. Uh, way to see the average on all retail cards. Again, according to bank rate, 28.93 percent oh, i'll round God. that up to 29 percent man 29 oh, man. and some of them go as high as 32 percent interest oh, you know almost a third of what you of you charge is going to go to them so you got to really think before you get one of these things the only way to use it is if you pay it off and one of the pieces of advice we give in the story is don't let the salesperson rush you into applying for the store credit card. It's not a snap decision. You're standing in line. There's five people behind you. Hi, would you like to get our credit card today? Because you can save 20% off of the purchase and get all these benefits. You know, do you know what the interest rate is going to be? Do you know what the annual fee is going to be? Do you know these things? That's yeah. not how you shop for a credit card. Yeah. A great piece of advice I got from the credit card expert for the story of, from NerdWallet is if you're going to go to the store, and make significant purchase, and you think they're going to offer you the card, you know, whether you're going to Macy's or Saks or Bloomingdale's or TGI, uh, T, uh, TJ Maxx, whatever, look online before you go and see if the credit card makes any sense for you. Find out those couple of things we told you to do in this article. Find out if there's an annual fee. Find out what the interest rate is. Um, ask yourself, uh, are you going to pay the balance off in full each month? Right. Uh, find out what the perks are, and if all that makes sense for you, then when they say, hi, uh, would you like to, uh, Mr. DiGilio, get the card? You can say, yeah, and make an intelligent decision as opposed to forcing yourself to do it because there's people behind you who don't know what the right answer is. Well, I mean, that's that happens to me every time I go to Walgreens. <laughs> every time I go to, I'm not kidding. Every time I go to Walgreens when I'm at the when I'm at the uh, at the register to to check out, you know, it'll pop up on the screen. Mm -hmm. You know, as as I'm as I'm about to tap my uh, my right. card or about to tap the phone or whatever. Uh, it'll say, uh, it says right here, would you like to apply for, you You're, You. You know, you qualify for a Walgreens credit card. Would you like that? And I'm always like, no. But right. I've, I've stood behind people who go, yeah. And they press the button and then do the little thing. On the, and, you know, the next thing you know, you've got, you know, you're there, but you're standing in line and, and, and there's no paperwork or anything. It's all done electronically. Correct. Uh, so, yeah. And, 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 and I get it. When you shop online, you know, every time you shop online now, it says, would you like to get our credit yeah, card? Yeah, exactly. This is like, this, and, you know, that the deal is because they're making a ton of money from people who get the cards that pay this horrendous interest rate. Yeah, yeah. But every time I go to Walgreens, I always have to go, no! Like every time. <laughs> 
Like, you ask me this every single time I come in here, and I come in here at least three times a week, and right. no, I do yeah. not want the Well, maybe you should go to CVS where they give you enough paper <laughs> to start up. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Is this- they give you enough paper so that you can actually fill out the application uh, right. for, the, for the credit card. <laughs> right, That's exactly. What it is. So, yeah. All right. Um, and, and, and then secured credit cards is another thing uh, that you talk about uh, in, in the article as well. Yeah. yeah. If you're just starting out, or you have don't have a good credit score, or maybe your scores aren't good because you're you don't have much credit yet. You haven't started out. A secured credit card is possibly a way to go. And basically, what this is is you give the bank so much money, and that's your line of credit. So you put in five hundred to maybe a thousand dollars. I think the most secured cards go up to five, and then whatever you put in is your collateral, and you can spend that on the credit card. It gets reported to the credit bureaus. So you start building up a credit history. So again, these things have pretty high interest rates, 26 to 31%. So again, the right way to use it is you charge something, you pay it off every month. But after 6, 8, 10, in some cases, 12 months, you should be able to apply for a regular credit card or some of these secured cards actually have a graduation program. So you will automatically move to one of the cards that's a normal credit card, a traditional credit card that this lender is offering. You'll just be graduated up if you want it. So that's one way to go. The other way is we've talked about this before, especially like for kids, college kids and stuff. If you make your kid a uh, authorized user on your credit card, the child will now start building up a credit history that will be reported to the credit bureau you get the bills, so I mean, you get the uh, see the, what the bills are right. come to, comes to you, so you can keep track of their spending. You better have a talk with a kid about you know what's <laughs> going on here, right, and, right. and and you're responsible, so the child has to be responsible. But that's another way to build up a credit history. They will get it become an authorized user on your card and start building up their own credit history. So those are the two things to do for people who don't have enough credit or a slim enough credit file that they can't get a mm-hmm. credit card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and how important is it to? I mean, like you know, in the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. do, do I mean, I know people who don't have credit cards, and I know people, mm-hmm. and, and I early not as much nowadays, but I knew people who never had credit cards, and right. who did who did fine without having credit cards. But is it? Do you need to at least establish one credit card to 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 get a good credit report? Is it easier to get a loan if you have a credit card? Is it harder if you don't? That kind of thing. You should at least, I think, if you qualify for one and are responsible for for uh, for it, you should at least have one credit card. A, that's going to help your credit scores. Number one, yeah. You know, so you're responsible and pay it off. B, you have something in an emergency situation. You know, you never know when something is going to happen. Right. And um, and C, you know, maybe you'll get some perks out of the deal. Maybe you'll get some cash back or something like that. I asked the folks at at uh, Wallet Hub, what's the right amount of credit cards? I mean, how many credit yeah. cards do they have? The average American has three or four cards. And, you know, but some people have a whole lot more. That's fine. Uh, you know, maybe you want an American Express and a Visa or a Visa and a MasterCard or whatever, because maybe where you're shopping, they may not accept it. I mean, some places do not accept uh, American Express. Some places do not accept Discover, whatever. Right. So you right. won't get stuck. If you're traveling and something happens and you lose a card and you have to shut it down, you'll have another card. I mean, things do happen to cards. They get shut down or something happens so you'll have that extra uh, peace of mind and you'll also have extra emergency uh, credit limit if god forbid something happens you have a medical emergency something you, you need it you'll have that already line built in so two maybe three i think is plenty again if you use them responsibly and you're not, and you're not using it just to charge it and not pay the bills that's a, a good number of cards some yeah. people nick have several rewards cards so uh what they do is they they use them depending on where they shop. So in other words, some people have a credit, uh, a rewards card that pays 5% back on 
grocery shopping sure. as opposed to a traditional credit card that pays 2% back, let's say cash back. So they'll always use that when they go to the grocery store and they may have another cash back card that pays huge rewards on, on a gasoline. And so they, they use that strategy of picking the right credit card uh, from their wallet, depending on where they're shopping to get the maximum amount of bonuses. Again, if you pay the bill off on time, each month, that's a very smart way of gaming the system and making sure you get the maximum rewards. Mm -hmm. All right. It's uh, it seems like a, but you, I mean, these are these are great tips, uh, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and some people are intimidated, you know, by this, uh, by 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 having a, several credit cards or one or two credit cards. And, and but there's no way there's you know, there's a, there's a safe way of having a credit and having credit cards. You don't have to fall into debt. So. Yeah. And remember, if you have more than one, it's more to track. You got to make sure you pay all the bills, et cetera. Again, I just want to repeat. And this is like the rule, the golden rule. If you. You don't pay the card off on time each and every month. Don't even consider a rewards card. You'll pay more in the annual fee and an in interest than you will ever gain back from that rewards cards. They're out of the, they're not even up for discussion with you. And if you are having serious problems, if you're listening to this and saying, I already find myself in credit card debt, and Nick, we talk about this all the time, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, it's a nonprofit. You can go to their website, nfcc.org. They will hook you up with a nonprofit credit counselor. The first meeting is usually for free. You can do it on the phone. They can find one in your area. They'll help you set up a budget. If you work with them, they can lower the interest rates on your credit cards. Yeah. I have literally talked to people with $60,000, $80,000 worth of credit card debt in the course of four years or so. They paid it down. They were debt-free and getting ready to make a down payment on a house. It mm -hmm. really does work. Don't use these things. Hey, you hear the radio ads. Pay us money and we'll... No, those things don't work. They are yeah. total nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you want to go to a nonprofit credit counselor, nfcc.org. Okay. Make sure you jot that down and use it. All right. Well, now that we've got the credit card situation out of the way, now we can go shopping. <laughs> now we can go shopping. Now we can go shopping. What the hell? Right. Hey, let's right. go. Right. Um, you would you like to apply for our credit card today, yeah. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, at checkbook.org, there are incredible uh, tips. Shop like a pro, how to score the best prices and avoid the common problems. Holiday shopping, it, we, it's going to be underway, and I would imagine that this year is going to be bigger than last year, and last year was bigger than the year before, and it just keeps growing. I know we had some rough times for a few years, but now people are getting back out there, and they're shopping, and they're spending more money uh, during the holidays. What are the tips on, on, on great and efficient holiday shopping? And Nick, they're shopping earlier. I saw a survey that indicated that about 12% of the people started holiday shopping in September and another 23, 6%, something like that, were planning to shop in October. So a lot of the holiday sales have already come and gone. There are going to be more between now and, and Christmas and Hanukkah. But that's how early people are starting their shopping. Wow. In some cases, that's being the retailers doing it because they want to get your money. But some people, that's now a strategy so they don't get burdened down with a whole lot of purchases all at once so they can spread out how yeah. much is coming out of their budget. And if you're using it that way, that's a really good, that's a that's really smart. good strategy. That's smart. It's, yeah. it's a smart strategy. It is. Um, yeah. You read the article, so you can ask me what you want, but I'll just run down a couple of the highlights and then we can go from there. I think the biggest one is be aware of all the hype and the hoopla that goes around with the holiday sales. You know, 60% off, 70% off, 80% off. It doesn't matter how much is off. It matters what the bottom line is. How much is it going to cost you to walk out the door with that piece of merchandise compared to what another retailer sells it for? Because as we found, and we talked about this before, we tracked 
prices at uh, 24 major retailers for 33 weeks and found out that most of the discount claims were totally bogus. They had never sold the product at huh. a higher price they were saying they were discounting it from. Just absolute nonsense made up fraud. So, so that's number one. Compare. The only way you can know if you're getting a good price is compare. There are plenty of comparison sites on the web that will let you do that. Uh, our favorites are PayPal Honey, PriceGrabber.com, ShopSavvy.com, and Yahoo Shopping. Again, there are links to all these with my story on checkbook.org. There's also a thing that has a great name, CamelCamelCamel.com. It's not a cigarette, mm -hmm. uh, and it tracks price history for Amazon for the past year. Not that Amazon is always the lowest price, but it'll just give you a it's a it's a good reference point sure. uh, to see where the price is on an item. But you know, get an eye. Just don't see the sign and say, "Wow!" Find out what that item is selling for for other retailers. You might find it lower. And um, the person I interviewed for the Consumerpedia podcast, there's a podcast that just came out on this. Our associate editor Jamie Lettuce, who is the ultimate shopper, she said to me, "My mom told me never pay retail, and boy, I don't pay full retail." Um, she's in a store and has no qualms about Googling the item she's about to buy and then seeing that it's uh, at a cheaper price at a store a mile away and saying to the clerk, you match the price? And a lot uh -huh. of them will. And if, cause a lot of them have price matching. And if not, she just goes, she knows she can, if it's worth enough money, she'll go down the street and buy it there. You can price shop thanks to that little computer you have in your hand all day long. Yeah. You can price comparison shop while you're at the store. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people, I know a lot of people who do that. I know a lot of people who are like, mm -hmm. and I, that's smart. It's really smart, especially like, like, you know, you know, uh, and you see that, I guess there are some commercials that actually show this where people are like, can you, can you do a better deal than this? Mm -hmm. and, and some stores are every advertising. Yes. You bring us proof that it's going to be cheaper someplace else and we can match that or beat it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they want your business. That's the bottom line. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. so that's, a, that's a good thing. Uh, the other thing is if you're shopping online, as a lot of people are going to be shopping online, uh, look for any kind of line that says promo or discount code. Uh, because uh, these spaces basically are saying, hello, there's free money out there someplace. You just have to find it. So do an Internet search uh, when you're browsing to look for that discount if you can. A couple of places you might check, couponcabin.com, retailmenot.com, slickdeals.net. Uh, sometimes you'll get false ones. You know, the, the deal expired and, and, and it'll seem like a waste of time, but sometimes you can really find a, a great deal. Jamie recently got 35% discount at Old Navy, 40% off discount from Shutterfly. Um, she got 25% off some sheets and towels she bought. So at least look for that. Also, if you, uh, want to use a shopping portal, are you familiar with shopping portals? No, I don't think I am. So there are services like Rakuten is one of the big ones. And uh, there's also a lot of the, uh, there's one called Be Frugal, Mr. Rebates, and Coupon Cabin. Uh, also, a lot of the credit cards now have shopping portals. If you go through the portal, they have deals with the retailers. And they say, look, Mr. Retailer, we're going to drive you business. And you're going to give us a commission for giving you the business. And we're going to split the commission with the consumer. So if you... Go to uh, Rakuten.com and look at the, the at the retailers or go to Be Frugal or Mr. Rebates or Coupon Cabin. You will see that they're, they're saying in Nordstrom, there's now a 2% cashback uh, 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 
bonus on this from us. They're getting probably their percentage, and you're, this is what you're getting. Some of them can be astronomical. I mean, I've seen some software I bought. I've seen 30%, 40% uh, that you get. And then at the end of the quarter, I get a check. just comes in the mail. Hi, here's your racket and benefits. Thanks for using our portal. Uh, two ways to do it. You can go through the portals. Uh, Capital One, I know, has a portal. American Express has a portal. A lot of the credit cards have portals. Or you can put a browser extension on your uh, browser, and it automatically looks for coupons every time you shop online. It says, yep, I found 12. Let me run through the list for you and see if there's one where I can save you some money. So, uh, and, the, and the cool thing is, this is above and beyond any coupons you might have. This is the old stacking coupons. Yeah. So you get the lowest price you can get. You use the coupon, and then you get money back from using a portal uh, from them. I mean, that is like the ultimate trifecta. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That makes sense too. Uh, yeah, and and uh, and, now, and here's another thing you mentioned in the article that huh? I that I think is uh, kind of interesting and that I've noticed. Um, all of the retailers, many, not all of them, but many of the huh? retailers, the big chains, the stores, all of the big places that you're going to shop, uh, they all have, um, you know. They're, they're, they use uh, social media. They have they, sure. they they have a presence on social media, and a lot of them are on Facebook. They're on TikTok. They're on uh, X or Twitter or whatever the hell it's called. Um, and they offer special, you know, uh, social media or internet, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. you know, discounts if you're in social media and if you're if you're getting social. So those are something that, that those are other things that you point out that you should look for too. Look for things on social media. Yeah, make sure that you're signed up with the actual social media uh, page of that retailer. You don't want to just like, you know, some bogus ad that pops up on your, on yeah. your stream. You know, that can be very questionable and it could just be a phishing attack, but yes, or sign up for the emails. I mean, I have, I, I'm not really big with social media. I have a Facebook and a Twitter and Instagram account to get my stories out to people, but I'm, yeah. I'm still an old fashioned email kind of guy. And uh, you know, cause that's, I, I replied for my, uh, what was that credit card credit card you applied for? Mar Montgomery rewards. That was my Mar first reward. Right. Yeah. yeah. So um, I had a Sears was my first, but um <laughs> And uh, so I'm, but you know, you sign up with these people and then all of a sudden you get a free sale, clearance sale, something special, you know, what's going on. Yeah. You're going to get inundated with email. And if you don't like it, you just unsubscribe. But if you have a favorite retailer or two or three, and you know, you can find some good deals. I mean, Eddie Bauer, you know, there's a store down the street that we shop from time to time. And some of these sales are 40, 50% off end of season, get it the hell out the store, you know, take an extra 20% off the 50% already. You know that that that's a smart way to stay in touch with a retailer and get some get some benefits from them that doesn't really cost you anything. Yeah, well, there's a lot of great things in this. I also love the fact that you you guys included um, about shopping local, and I love that. I love trying to support small businesses, you know, our mom and pop shops and stuff like that. And going local is something where you can save money and you can do a lot of great holiday shopping that way. And I'm glad you guys pointed that out. I, I'm glad that that wasn't like skipped over in in, in the piece you guys wrote. I love doing that because there are people that are in your community that are paying taxes locally. But in some cases, you know, we always assume the big box stores have the lowest price on everything. And that's not always the case. We did another story. It's on the website on buying appliances. And we found that because of deals that the big box stores have with manufacturers of appliances, they can't really discount the price too much. They almost have the same price across the board. The ones who can make the deals are the small independent retailers because you can go in, they can't advertise a better price in most cases, but you can say, I really want to buy this. Can you give me some kind of deal? And they can because the, the deals worked out are for advertising below a certain price. Doesn't mean you can't sell it 
below a certain price. When we buy our appliances, we go to the repair the appliance store here in our neighborhood. They give us fabulous service. We get great prices, and if there's a problem, they're right back here to fix it. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of problems with people who come and install these things for big, uh, big box stores because they just uh, farm this out. It's not their people that do it anymore. So yeah, there's some great things, and you can find some novel things that you would never find at a big store that you can find at these. And you can talk to the person, and they can see what yeah. you're looking for and help you out. It's just a yeah. great way to shop. Yep, absolutely. And, and, and yeah, and I'm glad that you mentioned. You also mentioned like farmers markets and uh, and you know holiday bazaars, craft fairs, and places mm-hmm. like that. Those are great places to find really cool, you know, maybe homemade things and uh, that you wouldn't find anyplace else, one-of-a-kind items. And, you know, it's, it's always nice to support the, the, uh, the, smaller, the smaller businesses. I've yep. always thought that was a great thing to do. Absolutely. Yep. So, now, you know, you know, it's a, you know, it's a huge thing. To, people can't think of what they want to get their friends or whatever. Maybe, you know, it, it's always easy to get a gift card. Mm-hmm. What are the advantages? Are there, are there disadvantages? And what are the advantages to doing the gift card thing? Well, I mean, everybody keeps saying every year, I want a gift card. I want a gift card. Give me a gift card. Uh, And you don't even have to buy the card anymore. You can uh, send it digitally. There are, as as we've talked about before, problems with bogus uh, cards in stores at the retail level. The bad guys go in, steal the code, wipe the money out uh, as soon as you uh, as soon as you turn it on. I'm very uh, leery about buying uh, gift cards in a store anymore. I send them. To like to my niece and nephew for Hanukkah, I send them stuff uh, uh, electronically. Yeah. So they have the card there. It's on their phone. They can use it at the store. I don't have to worry about some bad guy swipe the number or whatever. Right. The biggest downside, I, I just, you know, I used to find it like, really? I mean, that you, you put that little thought into it. But <laughs> when, when, you, when you have somebody like my niece and nephew who have their very own taste and style, they don't want a piece of clothing or something I would buy. Yeah. Let them go buy the thing and then send me a picture and tell me what you bought, what I bought you. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the number one downside is people put them in a drawer or I guess, I guess leave them in their computer and don't shop with them. That they just right. go on, That's on, right. on YouTube. That's a very, very, if you're going to get a gift card, either use it right away or make a note somewhere on your calendar, but don't just let it sit there because that's just, you know, somebody gave you free money and and you're just threw it in the trash can. That's the biggest downside to gift cards. Uh, That's what I've noticed. I notice a lot of people get them and they just throw them in a drawer somewhere. And then like, you know, like months later, they're like, oh my God. Now, is there an expert? They they, they have expiration dates on, on gift cards. Do they, or do they not? Um, the, uh, five years, <clears throat> some five states years, have yeah. five, some states have more, some states have, they can never expire. Uh, some state, there's some different rules, but at least five years you're good for, yeah. but that, you know what, in five years, that could be the back of a drawer. It could be just use yeah. it already. Don't, don't yeah. wait, use it already. You know, and in five years, if it's 20, it's like a $25 gift card in five years, you're not going to be able to buy anything with it. You'll be able to well, buy like a, a shoelace for $25 in five years. So that, you know, or, and this has happened many times in this economy, the retailer goes out of business and you're right. out of luck. Exactly. exactly. So yeah, seriously, I mean, some big names that we never thought, Oh, I got a circuit city gift card. They'll never go out of business. <laughs> You know, right, it right. doesn't do you any good sitting in that drawer. Right, you know? right. So, uh, and uh, you know, and you mentioned the Better Business Bureau in the uh, in the article or in the part of the article where you talk about shady sellers and and, and reviews and things like that. It's always great to connect with the, with the BBB when you can because they keep an eye on all of this stuff in terms of shopping. You don't want to be ripped off. You want to make sure you get the best value, and and you want to have a, you want to you, you want to have a good shopping season, not a bad one. So the Better Business Bureau does a pretty good job of of keeping track of what's happening. Yeah, that's one place. That's for online shopping. That's that's yeah. one place. I mean, it's obviously nothing is perfect, but that's one way uh, to shop. And uh, there's an, also another site that we've tried and mentioned in the in the article called FakeSpot.com, and it helps you find out if the reviews are fake. That's a serious problem right now with online shopping. So yeah. many of the reviews are fake, and 
the, the you know that you can help do that. I'll tell you when I buy something, I maybe look really really quickly at a couple of the reviews online, but I try if it's any major purchase uh, that somebody independently has reviewed. I try to go there. So, so when I buy computer stuff, I look at Consumer Reports. I look at CNET.com. I look at PC Magazine. Same thing when I buy a TV set or something really expensive. I don't look at the reviews. I look at the people who've tested them and can tell me reliability and can help me compare warranties and just know what's going on as opposed to just looking at the reviews online. Maybe I look at it a little bit, but it is. I have never gone wrong by reviewer that does not yeah. take money to say that review is better like consumer reports does and like checkbook right. does but we okay. do services not the uh, products so. check it out though yeah you know it's a, and checkbook.org is, is a great place to obviously uh, uh you know as we talk about every month here uh, and if you want to listen to a fun podcast like i said jamie is a trip so consumerpedia.org is the latest podcast and uh, right. she'll <laughs> she'll she'll go down how much money she saved and all the tricks that she uses so okay then make sure yeah. you check that out in the uh, in in the uh, in the podcast um i did get a question from a from a a, a subscriber who uh sure. who uh, had a, who wanted to throw a question at you and i believe this is something that you are um working on for uh for for like a, 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 you know the coming issue or in december this is something you're working on um, his name is Marty and Marty says, I really enjoy the for the people episodes on the first Tuesdays. I love them. Well, thank you, Marty. And I appreciate you listening. Uh, says, please ask Herb if he believes title lock insurance is worth the money. I've not heard him address this topic. And I was wondering, uh, I see a number of ads on the web for like t home title lock, home title lock.com. So title lock insurance, what's that? And, and, uh, is that something that people should be wary of or look into or what's, what's going on with that? Well, title lock insurance is designed to steal somebody from going down and getting public records and stealing your house out from under you. I'm a, that is on my to-do list of stories that I hope to get out the very beginning of 2004 because I need to do a bunch of 2024. Excuse 2024. Me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because we're, I have, we're, yeah. yeah. I have to do a, a whole bunch of research before I say anything. But I can tell you at this point in time, Checkbook is very suspicious of these offers that, that, that we don't believe there is the serious problem that is being led, pe that people are being led to believe uh, in the ads. Not that it doesn't happen, but uh, you know you can't protect yourself against every single risk in life. Uh, it's our belief that the risk is not anywhere near as great as yeah. uh, what uh, some of these companies make you believe. And uh, I am going to be digging into this because it's going to take me a while, a couple of weeks yeah. of all the research. But we will be talking about that with probably in the uh, January or at the very uh, latest of February and it'll be on checkbook.org when it comes out. But yeah, that's a, that's a big one that people have been asking me about. And I got a, uh, I heard an ad on the radio, some, some Chicago radio station that you used to be on, uh, had a big ad on the other day. And I said, oh, I, got, I got to do something about this. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's Marty. Marty, thank you for, uh, and, Thanks, and, and, and keep listening and keep your eyes out. Keep your eyes peeled. Follow, follow the consumer man on the, on the social media and check out consumerman.com. He's working on it. And in the coming weeks and months, you will hear uh, more about it. Now, before I let you get out of here, uh, Herb, yep. um, I, uh, I was talking to you a little bit about this, uh, this, uh, this documentary three-part documentary film that was called telemarketers, which I, uh, yep. which I watched and I know that you ended up watching it's on max mm -hmm. and it's, it's, we're streaming on HBO. Um, and this is the true story of a couple of guys who used to work as telemarketers who dove in and were trying to expose and take down some of these really corrupt and really screwed up telemarketing services that are ripping people off. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, now I, I know this is not, you know, groundbreaking news to you, her, but you did end up watching 
telemarketers. Tell me what you all thought. Three hours. Tell, all right. Tell <laughs> all me. I, I, I watched it too. Tell me what you what, tell me what you thought of telemarketers. You know, when I got done, I wanted to take a shower with a Brillo pet. I mean, yeah. That's how slimy and disgusting these people are. Uh, in this case, they were almost all uh, ex-cons and drug addicts doing drugs while they were trying to rip people off, as you saw. Yeah. Um, it was it, it just it was depressing. I mean, it was the the lowest level of society. These guys know what they were knew what they were doing. You know, sometimes you can hear, well, they read a script. They don't know what they're doing. These guys knew that they were ripping people off. There was no question that they knew what they were doing and they were really good at what they were doing and could lie, so to speak, with a straight face and tell you everything you want to know when, of course, they were telling bold face lies. So that yeah. was number one. They knew what they were doing. Uh, I've always talked before about a sucker's list where if you fall for them once, they'll get back to you again. I could see that on the screen. There was that that told them this person gave fifty dollars to the police benevolent fund last time, hit them up for seventy five dollars this time. So I, I'd only seen paper sheets, but that it was actually computerized was pretty eye opening for me to, to see that thing. And uh, again, that these guys will say absolutely anything to get the money. The other thing was, if you go deeper in it, and it went longer than it had to, but there was a there was and some of it was just depraved, taking all the drugs and stuff. But that the fraternal orders that they were working with, they always plead ignorant. They always say the police right. chiefs, whoever the head of the firm, we have to do this. This is the only way to make money. We can't yeah. think of anything else. Well, number one, A, it's not the only way you can make money. And right. B, that these guys got paperwork that showed they were in on the con, that they were teaching them how to rip people off and yeah. some of the some of the jurisdictions they were doing this in that was many yeah. years ago yeah. that was that was absolutely disgusting to me that people in law enforcement would work with a absolute known con artist boiler room to rip people off that was just that was just despicable to me that they would do such a thing yeah. it, you know it's and it's interesting because like there's all of that is in there and yet the two guys like the main guy who used to be like one of the hot shots and was going mm -hmm. through you know, yeah. got sober and was struggling with his addictions and stuff like yeah. that. But these yeah. guys really did sincerely want to take these places down. They wanted to yeah. expose them and take them down. And yeah. I loved following these two guys who were once, you know, doing it. They were once being yeah. telemarketers, doing drugs and doing all the crap that they were doing. And they were like, no, this is terrible. I can't believe I did this. Let's bring these guys down. And you were rooting yeah. for them. When I was watching it, I was rooting for these two guys. Like, yes, oh, yeah. get in there. You guys were once you know, helping these people out because you were drug addicts and you were having a hard time in your life. But to watch these guys dig themselves out from that horrible world of addiction and crime to right to really try to take these telemarketers down. That was something I, I, and yeah. I, and yeah, so I, yeah, I was, a, I was a big fan of, but yeah, no, there's a lot in there, Herb, to be disgusted by. There's yeah. no question about it. And the other thing, Nick was, and if you saw that, you know, they had an answer for everything. Like if you push back and said, well, my husband just died. Well, and they had an answer. Well, I didn't yeah. get my pension. They had a pre, I mean, yeah. that's why I always said, these guys are business people. They do this eight hours a day. They have yeah. an answer. All you can do is you hang up the phone because the longer you yeah. stay on, and I watched that. They were doing it. The longer you stay on, the more they'll twist things to get you to give them some money. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Herb, I always appreciate it and help, and, and thanks for helping us out. We'll talk to you uh, in December, and uh, I'm sure that we'll have uh, more holiday stuff to talk about as well before we, uh, before we hit the actual holidays uh, for real. But have a great uh, Thanksgiving. Wow. Thank you. Before we go, let's give them the free link if they oh, want to Oh, please do. Help. Yes, please. Please, please. My, my, listeners, my listeners, my subscribers, they love it. And so tell everybody how they can do that. Yes. A free 30-day free trial subscription to checkbook.org to get the rating. So if you're in Chicago, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Seattle, San Francisco, Boston, Philly, or Washington, D.C., you can get the ratings for all the products, uh, all the services in your area, plumbers, electricians, vets, dentists that, that we rate. Everybody else, everything's free on our website. Just go to checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast. 
checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast. We hope you'll join and become a member, but there's no obligation. Right. No obligation. It's free. It's offered to you specifically for being a listener. So it's uh, checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast. Do it now. Herb, you are the best as always. And I'll talk to you next month, my friend. Thanks, Nick. You be well. All right, man. Take care. Uh, that's Herb Weissbaum. He's the consumer man. All right. Always helpful. Always fantastic. You know who's always helpful and fantastic? The one and only car guy, Tom Appel. Tom Appel. We're going to talk about costume. Tom Appel. Ooh, automotive with Tom. And his last name, Appel. Oh. It's the czar of car. The sultan of cylinder. Tom Appel. Yeah. That's right. Rocking out here, man. Tom Appel. <laughs> So, Tom is the uh, publisher uh, of Consumer Guide Automotive, and we'll hear more about that fantastic uh, uh, publication and uh, website and all that cool stuff. Joins me once a month uh, as part of the For the People uh, episodes of the podcast. Helps us out in the world of cars and automotive stuff, and it's Tom. Hi, Tom. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, sir. How are you? I am well, thank you. All right, excellent. I want to thank you, uh, actually, for coming out to our last uh live podcast event at Zanies in Rosemont. You brought out some friends and had a great time. That was fun, man. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, my, my friends are heavy drinkers and big tippers, so that works yeah, well. That works out well for everybody. <laughs> everybody involved. Works out well for everyone. But uh, yeah. I thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, uh, it's always a blast when you guys come out. We're going to do it again in January. I'll give you the date uh, coming up. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, that was, that was time. nice of you to come out. I appreciate that, Tom. That's really yeah, nice. Lots of fun. Okay, cool. Well, all right. First of all, tell everybody about Consumer Guide Automotive and what they can do and what they can see and all that cool stuff. Yeah, lots going on here. Consumer Guide Automotive, that's the website. Uh, actually, it's consumerguide.com and the CG, I'm sorry, the Consumer Guide Daily Drive. All right, I'm just screwing everything up. What the happened? Consumer what happened Guide now? Car Stuff Podcast. You want me to play your You want me to play your theme song again? Maybe we can start over or uh, no? Uh, okay, <laughs> we can do that. Yeah, I'm getting my actual site wrong. <laughs> And That's totally, not good, Tom. That's no, not totally good. unmedicated. <laughs> Let's try it again. Hi, Tom Appel. Right, How thanks. are you? All right. I, I am well, thank you. All right. Consumer Guide Automotive. That's your. Th- you got. That's a thing, right? Yeah, consumerguide.com and the Cars Tough Podcast. That's me. This uh, time I remembered the names. Yeah, but please check us out. We have our 2024 Best Buy picks going live at the beginning of December. That's a really big deal for us. If you're looking for a new car or truck, you want to check out that list. All sorts of fun on the podcast. This week we're talking to a guy named Chad Kirshner of EV Pulse. All they talk about is EVs, and they always face off against the weird Tesla people. So this should be a good wait. conversation. Okay, hold on a second. Wait, wait, wait. Weird Tesla people are is that isn't that redundant? It is it is in fact redundant. And <laughs> yesterday, just yesterday, I, I mentioned on Twitter on X that I don't like the wheels, the wheels, the wheel Uh-oh. covers on the new Uh-oh. upcoming. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's all I did. All Uh-oh. I said was I didn't like them. I was attacked. Six <laughs> six hundred comments later, I'm still trying to unbury myself from. Come this. on, six hundred comments all, because all you said was about the weak wheel covering. Yeah, I didn't like the wheels. And, uh, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> and all the people commenting have the word Tesla in their in their handle. <laughs> it's a cult. It's actually a cult. Well, can you can you share some of the comments? Like, what were the I mean, what were the what were the weirdest or the funniest ones coming from the people who have Tesla in their names? One oh, guy. God. 
Yeah. One guy who seemed like a defrocked priest who had found Jesus in the Tesla kept referring to me as car guy in lowercase quotes and then questioning my credentials as a journalist. And of course, if you say anything about Tesla, you are a hater. Yeah. Oh my God. That's funny. Wow. It's crazy. That is funny. So is it was is it with an H and the number eight hater? Is that what the is that how they do that or because I, it's, I, it, I didn't see that I didn't see that yet, but that is roughly the grammar level. Of the that's what I'm saying. It's like it's like the yeah. capital H, the number eight, and then the uh, ER. Yes. Yeah. So it's like capital H, number eight, capital E, capital R. That's what you are. You're yep, a that's, hate, that's me. You're a hater. I'm a hater. <laughs> Well, so oh, that is so funny. That is so funny. Uh, I love it when people get angry about uh, about stupid stuff. It just makes me. It just cracks me up. It cracks me up. Uh, it cracks me up. Actually, at the beginning of the podcast, I played uh, a voicemail of a guy who's mad at something that I've done on the podcast. That's completely ridiculous and insignificant. So I played his wow. voicemail. Yeah, it's just it's it's hilarious. Absolutely. Hilarious. Some- Sometimes people need to be angry, I guess. I guess, man. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but the, <laughs> but those Tesla people, the Tesla people, they live on another they live in another dimension. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, uh, you know. They do, and I and I think that they just they found something in this in this company that bucked the trend, was successful on its own, and feel very protective of it. And a lot of them yeah. claim to own Teslas, and I'm sure they're rewarding to own. Uh, Tesla does not make vehicles available to the media. Yeah. So there is already that weird arrangement. But I yeah. have driven a couple, and I found them to be very nice things to drive. Sure. But there are huge issues with, with weird pricing, with not playing by the rules, and, and uh, uh, quality control on these cars is frankly terrible. Yeah. And, and that's it's an issue that needs to be out there. Yeah, well, don't mention that now. Yeah, now all no. hell's going to break loose Yeah, they're now. coming for you now. You're going to be coming <laughs> for me now. Well, and also, it doesn't help, Tom. It doesn't help that you were criticizing, or at least, you know, talking, you know, not – incredibly favorably about tesla on x on, yes. on what on you know i mean that's or what was once twitter i mean you can't you can't i mean i'm sure that those the cultists who are now you know you know part of the x world i'm sure they were waiting on you know on musk's you know f- you know frontier there waiting for someone to say something bad about tesla to jump all over them yeah you know if you don't follow me on twitter you might want to do so soon because this could be my last week <laughs> Yeah, you're on his home turf now. We're all in his home yeah. turf now. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. He's it's it, yeah. We're the visiting team now. That's that's all there is to it. So, all right. Well, I'm sorry about that. Uh, oh, no, it's but, kind of entertaining. It's educational. Yeah. yeah. So, consumerguide.com and uh, check out all the cool stuff. You, the podcast is out there, uh, and it yep. drops. Uh, well, it drops every uh, Tuesday. Is it every or, Tuesday morning? Very early. Okay. Every Tuesday morning, very early. You can check out that podcast, and it's awesome. Uh, and so I always ask you, what have you been driving lately? Because you test drive stuff, you report on it. That's one of the great things that you do at Consumer Guide Automotive. What are you driving now? What have you been driving lately? I am going through like an incredible shock to the system. I had driven, the last two cars I drove were the Jeep Grand Wagoneer Series 3, a car that is a giant comp- competitor for the uh, Cadillac Escalade. That clocked in at 123 grand. That was replaced by the Lincoln Navigator, which is of similar size and price. And today I got into a Subaru Impreza. So, whoa, wait a minute, boy, that's a that's a that's a real crazy adjustment, isn't it? It is weird. It's also nice to get into something that's just a car. I miss yeah. cars. Subaru Impreza. Uh huh. All right. Now, how much have you how much have you driven uh, that now? 
You know, the iced tea story sticks today. Uh, it, it just, <laughs> it literally just got here. I ran to McDonald's and back, but I like it a lot, actually. It's fun to drive. This is a sporty version of the Impreza. The Impreza, for people who don't know, is a small hatchback, and it's the vehicle that the Crosstrek is based on. The Crosstrek looks like an SUV and sells much better than the Impreza. But at its core, the Impreza is the same vehicle, costs a little bit less. It's sporty. It's fun to drive. It has Subaru's excellent all-wheel drive system, which is going to matter in about three or four weeks. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just a very nice car. So is Impreza, is that just like, is that just kind of, because as, as you know, we talk about this all the time, that, how they name cars. So is the Impreza, is it supposed to be impressive? Is it like, yeah, that's Impreza. Is that the, that, is that... Is that the idea? I have no idea, and I don't remember Subaru ever floating press release with any explanation for that name. Yeah. So we're just going to call it made up. Okay, so a made up name, <laughs> Subaru Impreza. You're pretty pretty early in the test drive at this point, but so far you like it. Yeah, I like it a lot, and, now, and this is this competes roughly with like the Honda Civic and the Toyota Corolla. Okay. Now to adjust hugely <laughs> from driving a car like this to what you were driving before, what was the Jeep? The the, the Grand what now? It's the Jeep Grand Wagoneer. This is a vehicle that Jeep introduced a couple of years ago, and they meant to take on the likes of the Cadillac Escalade and the Chevrolet Suburban uh, with this giant SUV. And, and it is big, and it kind of gets the job done, but it's a little bit overpriced for the brand and maybe a little bit too big for its own good. Okay. Uh, and what, what do you mean by that, a little too big for its own good? What's that? It actually stretches a little bit longer than an Escalade, and it feels wider, and it doesn't handle quite as tightly as other large SUVs. So mm -hmm. it can be ponderous in city driving. It's great on the open road. It's great on the highway, lots of power. Uh, but but in town, it's just a little rough to drive. Okay. And what's that going for again? How much? This one was 123. Um, Jesus the, Christ. The base, the base wagon here starts at about 80. Man. Okay. Yeah, a lot of money. Lot That's of money. a lot of money. All right. Now, movements. and again, moving over to a lot of money again, the Lincoln Navigator. What's going on with that? Yeah, I like it a lot more than the Jeep we just discussed. It's just a little bit smaller, uh, much more nicely finished inside, and, and it just it's easier to drive in town. Great vehicle, actually. If you need, for some reason, a giant SUV, perhaps to tow uh, or to carry a lot of stuff and go on long trips, this is a fine vehicle. This one was one hundred and seven grand, so it's also expensive. But the resale value on these is such that you wouldn't get burned if you had to turn this car over in two or three years. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So those are the most recent ones that you've driven. You've gone from, uh -huh. you've gone from big and expensive to smaller and not as expensive. That's that's correct. That's how you look at it. And uh, and but <laughs> but in all three of those vehicles, the iced tea seems uh, tastes the same. That's it. Pretty much, yeah. Although it's it's a big reach up now. I mean, this little car in the windows yeah. has gotten higher at McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, that's I completely forgot about that. That's it. That's cool. All right. Well, all of those, uh, you know, you report on that drive on, on driving the new cars. It's one of the great things you do. And again, uh, it's you said the first week of December is when the 2024 reports come in. The yeah, that's car. when we're going to release our best buy picks for 2024. And those are the cars. Mm -hmm. It's of, of everything that's out there and everything we've driven. It's 30 or 35 cars that we think are the ones that should be at the top of your shopping list. And uh, how is that narrowed down? Do you do you, do you discuss it with people, other people who have driven it? Do you vote? Do people get angry if one of their one of their choices gets cut out uh, how do you narrow it down to the list that ends up uh, being posted or talked about in uh, December the, the things that we look for most are are 
relevance to the to the category. So that how good the vehicle is in the category and against the competition that it's positioned. So like if we were talking about the Jeep Grand Wagoneer, then we would compare it to the Navigator that we just talked about, the Cadillac Escalade, maybe the, the GMC Yukon. Um, that vehicles like that and how good it is in that segment how much it costs relative to those vehicles and does it serve that purpose mm-hmm. okay all right well all right. well so that's all coming out look for that and uh, all of this stuff at consumerguide.com now yeah uh, as on a personal note i do want to mention this to you um I, as you know i do not have a car i have not driven uh legally uh in uh, <laughs> as i always say i've not driven legally in 20 something years but my girlfriend um, does drive, and um, she recently parked her. She has a uh, uh, oh god, what the hell kind of car does she have? It's a it's a it's a Mazda SUV. Okay. Uh, it's a nice car, like a 2017, 2016. It's really a nice car. It's uh, CX five, maybe. Yeah, that's I think that's what it is. Yeah, beautiful yeah. car. It's like it's you know, and uh, it's got that nice hatchback in the back, and it's really it's uh-huh. four door. Well, yeah, everything is four door. What the hell is wrong with me? But yeah, uh, do you remember two doors? They don't make those anymore, do. do they? Do they? They, almost, they don't make t- almost no. No, remember when the seats you have to push the seats up to get in the back seat? Ah man, oh for the days of the two door when you <laughs> when you'd have to flip the bottom of the, the the little knob on the bottom of the of the of the back of the seat. It was weird too because it, manufacturers used to be able to sell coupes and two doors as family vehicles, and we didn't mind stuffing the kids in the back seat. Yeah, yeah, no, you know? those were the days. Well, anyway, so my girlfriend's car got smashed. Ah. Uh, she was in the uh, she was in the Trader Joe's, and somebody backed into and smashed the back of her car. Uh, with, by the way, my girlfriend's dog was in the back of the car while it happened. Oh, um, and uh, and and uh, uh, she was running into the Trader Joe for two seconds and came back out, and she smashed and somebody smashed into her car and and uh, basically like wrecked the black the back pan the black the the back panel. Uh, and smashed out the light and everything to the point where it wasn't drivable because the panel was rubbing against the tire and blah, blah, blah. Oh. So now the person, I will say this, the person who hit the car did not take off and could have, which would have been much worse. You know what I mean? You know, you get some jagoff who hits your car and then takes off. Yep. This person was waiting and, in fact, crying. She was like, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I did. You know. So everything was fine. Insurance, exchange, everything's fine. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's, the, mm-hmm. you know, it, it sucks. It's a pain in the ass, but it was the least pain in the ass possible if you're going to get your car smashed. You know what I mean? But, yeah. so she brings the car in, okay? And it's got to be fixed, so they take the car in. And uh, now, for two, let me get a few things about this, okay? One, they, uh, evidently, they cannot start fixing her car until the 13th of November. Whoa. So there's like apparently like this place where she's at, there's like a lot of backup. Is that common now? Like to do like, because this, this is a, a, a collision place that fixes, you know, damaged cars and panels and refurbishes and stuff like that. Is, that, is there a lot of backup happening? Is there a lot of bu- people being, a lot of cars being stacked up and behind on getting cars fixed? Is that, a, is that something that's commonly happening? I'm not entirely sure about collision repair, but that would mesh nicely with what we know about vehicle repair in general, this mm-hmm. mechanical repair. And then, there, in fact, there have been long delays caused by a lack of service technicians yep. and repair professionals yep. and a lack of parts. And the parts issue is still kind of a thing lingering from the uh, from the chip shortage era. Right. So, it, it yes. And, well, and it's real. Is, <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. another... 
another kind of bad thing that happened for consumers is that the, the providers of these services have realized that they can just fully book their schedule with almost no extra time or expense, right? They don't have any extra capacity. So they're really running at 100% capacity, which means they're running at 100% profit. And, and it's kind of a shame, but they've gotten used to this. So this, this situation may never get 100% better. Yeah. Well, I was shocked when she said, yeah, I can't have the the car's not going to be able to be they're not going to start on it. They're not going to be able to start out until this date. And I was like, holy shit, that's like that's like like 11 days, 10 days. Um, and but I guess that I mean, so that's not uncommon is that I mean, you know, uh, uh, for, uh, you know, for for mechanical repairs to cars to be delayed because of that. That's so that's a regular thing now. Yeah, over the summer, my father's uh, Chrysler 300 needed some body work. And I want to say it was two full weeks before they could take his car in, too. Isn't that crazy, man? Yeah, it is. You used to just drop a car off. Yeah, I know, I know. So in between, because this car, the car has not been drivable. So in between, so they gave her a loaner, okay? So she, had to, go to, she had to go to like a rent-a-car place. You know, the, 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 the collision place drove her there, you know, and she, you know, had to rent a car and, and so on and so forth. So... Uh, so they gave her, I just want to say this thing, they, she's now driving right now until, you know, for the next like 10 days or so, she'll be driving a uh, a 2023 Dodge Durango. Oh. Okay. And and I don't know if they, okay, now, now first of all, the, you, you were talking about huge cars. I'm telling you, um, I felt, I, I'm winded when I get in the car. Okay. <laughs> I mean that goddamn thing is hot, and then like when you get out, I I, I half I, I'm like I need a parachute to get out of this goddamn car. Uh, so the Dodge Durango, it's a big vehicle. Now, am I am, do I just not know vehicles that are this big? Because or is that actually a, a large vehicle? No, it's a large vehicle. It plays in a really weird size category where it's somewhere between like the size of a Ford Explorer and like a, a Ford Expedition. And we typically a consumer guide categorize it as a large. That's yeah, it's very big. It's very and, and big. It's kind of nice. It's kind of nice. Well, no, she's enjoying it. She's now that she's yeah. used to it. Because after a while, because she's got the Mazda, whatever you said it was, the uh, which is she a big is car, too, yeah. a pretty big car. I mean, it's a nice size vehicle. It's an SUV. It's a nice uh-huh. size car. Uh, but this thing was like, I mean, we got in there. It was like a goddamn tank. We're like, holy crap, you know, like. <laughs> it's like and she's like commenting about how like it's it's been taking her a long time to kind of get used to it because it's and it's a twenty twenty three and her car's like a twenty seventeen or something. Uh-huh. So, so some of the, you know, some of the, you know, the, the slick stuff that's in there, you know, uh, uh, like on the, you know, you know, everything on the dashboard now is just a giant screen. Everybody's dashboard yeah. is now just a giant screen and all this other stuff. And so getting used to that, it was, you know, it was compatible with her phone cause she's got the phone for the music and the podcasts and you know, all that stuff and you know, GPSs and all that. So mm-hmm. it's compatible and all that stuff, but the screen is bigger, the car. And when I climbed into the car, I literally was like, this is a, this is an unbelievably huge vehicle. Um, and it's big. It's just like we're in it, and it feels like, you know, we could just tower above everybody. And yet, you ever drive those kind of big cars? Well, you just drove some big cars. But, yeah. like, these big cars, and you ever think, like, I can just run everybody over. I can just roll over everybody. <laughs> I, it's funny that I... I usually do think exactly that. And yeah. I also think when some dork comes up next to me and is revving his engine or something, I'm like, I could totally take this guy. <laughs> but the funny thing is, 
that's not always true. I tend to be in better equipped versions of cars because that's what manufacturers place in the hand of the media. But that's yeah. not always the case. And yeah. like this week, I might feel a little overconfident tooling right. around in a Subaru. <laughs> yeah, you know why? Because you got you you're, you were used to driving around in a monster car. Yeah. And now you got this little thing, and you pull up next to somebody, and you start lipping off, and you're like, oh hell, I'm, wait a minute, I'm not in the yeah. Grand Wagon. I'm not in a Wagoneer right now. I'm in a I'm in an Impressa, and it's not very impressive. So uh, I, need to, I need to rethink my position here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, she's having a good time now. So, so you enjoy the uh, the two, the, the twenty twenty three Dodge Durango? That's it. That was it. When, how did that rank when you guys test drove that one? Durango's a nice car. It's very old. It's never been redesigned. It's it's. I think it's almost 13, 14 years old. But it has been freshened a number of times. And yeah. here's a little inside baseball stuff. This okay. car is actually based on old Mercedes architecture back from when there was a company called uh, Daimler Chrysler. And this was really this is, yeah this is mechanical bits that were inherited by chrysler by the chrysler group which is now stellantis from mercedes um and so as a result of that actually it's a very it's a very rigid architecture it rides and handles very well it's very quiet uh, yeah it doesn't sell well because for some reason dodge has never been able to position this thing correctly but it's a good vehicle yeah no uh you know what it is it is uh it is quiet uh, and also um, we've talked about this in the past, Tom, but this is the first time that um, I believe Julie, uh, my girlfriend, and and I have ever really encountered this personally. Uh, the car, when you uh, hit the brakes, it turns off. So it's one. You know, we've talked about this in the uh. past, uh, and so so I, I she was at, at first she was like, "What the hell?" You know, I mean, she knew that that was a that was an option and that was a thing that was happening in cars, but she'd never driven a car that shuts off when you're at a stoplight or shuts off when you stop when you hit the brake for a period of time. Um, and I don't know. I mean, she did a one one thousand. She was gonna like count how long it took from the time she hit the brake for the uh, to the engine to go off, and it's like one one thousand, and boom, it's off. Yeah, the <laughs> systems are interesting. Usually, we just call them engine stop start systems, and yeah. everyone has incorporated them now. And they do, in fact, do a great deal to save gas. But you will find that they don't work very often in the summer or the winter because the heat needs to stay on or the air conditioning needs to stay on. So under those conditions, they won't work. But if you got the heat on low, like right now, it's kind of mild. You'll see the system working a lot. Oh, really? Okay. So all right. So this is interesting to this is interesting to note. So if you know, in the next eleven days, while you know they're still waiting to work on her car, if it gets pretty cold and we crank up the heat, the 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 engine going off might not work then. Yeah, it's less likely to work, or it'll be off for for a shorter amount of time, I because see. you still have the ducts and everything are still warm, so you can blow some air through them. For a I while. see, I see. But but for less time than than if you weren't using air, or if it was like sixty degrees out. And it's a very quiet car, so it's almost. I mean, you can you notice when it happens when the car goes off and it starts up again. But it's like you said, the Durango, that car is very quiet. Are there cars where it stops and starts, where it jerks and things like that? I think we've talked about this in the past. Where that stopping and starting, the engine stopping and starting, uh, is is uh, distracting or or really detectable? Yeah, interesting. The Subaru has a problem with that. Subaru engines, and I don't know if people know this, aren't inline four cylinder. They're flat fours, like a Porsche or a Volkswagen, where the four cylinders are opposed to each other. So you have two like laying like a pancake, and and for whatever reason, that's that that. that particular configuration doesn't operate smoothly for stop start and there's a horrible jerk with one of the engines that subaru builds when you start the car and then a really weird noise and then it kicks in and it's a shame because oh, yeah. i really like subaru drivetrains in general but the stop start system there doesn't work okay 
All right. Well, it works quietly and nicely in the in the in the Durango once you get used to it. Yeah. You know, because it's like, whoa, that's a little weird. Uh, and also, uh, all the bells and whistles that happen on the on the you know um, on the on the screen, like there are like if somebody's in close to your lane, it makes a noise. You know what I mean? Like the 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 lane. What do you call that? Lane shifting, whatever. You're... Yeah. There's there's lane departure warning. There's uh, obstacle detection and blind yeah. spot alert. Yeah. All three of those systems. Manufacturers call them different things, and they all do slightly different stuff. And the first time you encounter them, they can be startling. Absolutely. I'll tell you one that we didn't even know existed. That is because her Mazda's got that. You know, her Mazda's got those things. But what she doesn't have is that's on this Dodge Durango is it actually spots the speed cameras. Ah, yes. Uh, so if there's a if there's a if there is a speed camera or you know a camera that's gonna like uh, a speed trap if you're getting into a speed trap or you could have a you know it warns you like and it shows you where the camera is and it makes a noise when you're approaching the camera and then it makes a noise when you hit the camera. Yeah, that that's a super useful thing actually, and I think that same system will tell you what the speed limit is where you're driving. Yeah, yeah, and because we were like, because at one point it was like I'm in the car, and you know, and again, Julie drives more often than I do, obviously, and she's got a more modern car that has a lot of these bells and whistles and stuff, so she was kind of used to it. But when I first got in there, and I'm like, what's that? And it kept making noises. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is that? Now what's that? But then there was one thing she went, I don't know what that is, and then she looked on the screen, and you could see the little icon for the speed camera. And it's like, oh, it's telling us that there's a speed camera coming up. And then it tells you where it is. And then there's a little warning, you know, a little warning bell telling you, hey, the speed camera's coming up. So maybe you might want to slow down. <laughs> you might want to slow down. And then it tells you when you are in the zone, when you hit the camera. That and is I was a like, wonderful thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was at, once you get used to it, because at first I'm like, what the hell is happening? Because it's making all these weird noises and stuff. And I'm like, huh? and it took me 15 minutes to climb into the damn thing and a half an hour to get down. You know, when the car, I, I told her that we needed, you know, to get out of this car while she's driving. I, was, I told her that we needed, you know, those, um, you know, when a plane makes an emergency landing and the chutes come out, the slides. <laughs> yes, yes. That's what you need to get out of the Durango. You need one of those to get out. <laughs> so, all right. So anyway, she's been driving the Dodge Durango and, uh, and that got a good rating from you, from you guys. At, uh, at Yeah, very uh, nice vehicle. No one, no one considers it. It sells very poorly. And that's a shame because it's, it's actually a very nice vehicle. No, we're having a, we've been having a yeah. good time in it. She's only been driving it since the weekend. It's only been, you know, it's only been a few days. Um, so anyway, all right. Well, uh, so enough of that stuff. Let's get into some of the things you have been covering and talking about. We also, by the way, are going to get to star spotter. We have to get to that and, uh, and mystery show. We will definitely get to that, but tell me about the Tokyo motor show. Um, and, uh, and, and how that compares to all of the American versions of the auto show and what happens in the Tokyo motor show. We just had that and you wanted to talk a little bit about a new concept for Honda prelude because of this show. Yeah, I didn't cover the Tokyo Motor Show with the, with the same zest as some other outlets. But if people want to see really interesting small vehicle and non-automotive mobility stuff, that was the show for it. But the Tokyo Motor Show um, is, is biannual, and it includes a lot of stuff from Asian makers and a lot of stuff for Asian markets. So it's kind of fun to watch because it's a lot of stuff we're not going to get in the U.S. But that took place... Um, last week or the week before and one of the things that was shown there was the honda prelude concept and i do i, I imagine most americans remember the prelude at least by name sure of course and, yeah. and it was an accord-based coupe it was a really good looking car and it was interesting because it was sort of priced higher than things like a celica um it, it was more of a luxury or grand touring kind of vehicle it was based on the accord 
not on the Civic, so it was a little bit bigger too. But it was a great car in the U.S. Never sold all that well, but the used examples now are very expensive. Enthusiasts love this car, but they Honda showed a new version of the Prelude. It's just a concept, although people pointed out that it looks very ready for production. Mm. That will include quote unquote a hybrid drivetrain, but they didn't describe that further. But if you want to see this car, it's really good looking. It's interesting to think about a Prelude coming back to the U.S., although I think that's really unlikely. Yeah, well, it's very cool. I mean, you know, uh, uh, it's it's actually. I mean, it looks it looks like it's ready to go, right? I mean, it does. Yeah, and it's a pretty it badass does. looking car. It's, I think it's a really cool. I'm looking at it right now. I think it's pretty cool looking. Yeah, there's a lot there to like. It's it's kind of simple, kind of elegant, but it looks sporty. It does. It absolutely does. Now, so you said that the the Tokyo Motor Show that's biannually. Yes, a lot of these international shows started to go biannual just because more and more shows started to show up on the schedule and there were shows in the middle east like dubai and uh sometimes you'll find even a russian show but it got the calendar got crowded so the japan uh what is now called the japan mobility show or part of the show is called that now biannual i see and so have you been or or i mean you cover you've covered it in the past what's the difference between you know like a japanese auto show or the tokyo motor show compared to what we get in america here uh, in Chicago or Detroit or wherever. I have never had the good fortune of going, going to an Asian show, but, but mm-hmm. the the big difference might be the, the the extent of the launches. I think you'll see more minor launches at a Japanese show and a lot of interesting stuff that we'll never see production. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So a lot of cool stuff that we'll never see. <laughs> yeah. It's like, man, that's cool. That's never going to see the light of day, but it's pretty cool. Exactly. Okay. All right. You test driving the now. I, I this is very. I love this description you, that you sent that you sent to me. One of the test drives you guys did was a 2023 Mini Cooper S Countryman, quote unquote, untamed. Yes. Uh. So. So. I mean. I. I wasn't aware that that. So there. There are different variations and different themes and different like styles of the Mini Cooper. What? So tell me a little bit about this. Yeah, there's a mini, sort of a base mini, or they call it the mini coupe or the mini hardtop, and that's the two-door mini that I think most people think about. Yeah. And there's kind of a wagon, a really cool wagon, and and that's called the, uh, the, the um, I just forgot the name of it, but uh, it's a wagon yeah. version. And then there's an SUV version called the Countryman, which is a little bit higher. And really, these days, the only vehicle doing any volume is the Countryman, because everyone loves small crossovers. Yeah. And it looks, I mean, it looks, it, it, yeah, I mean, it looks cool. I'm looking at it right now. It looks pretty cool. Um, but I guess, I, I think it's weird, too, because when you look at it, you can kind of see that it's definitely a Mini Cooper. Like, it's still, I mean, it's not, it doesn't look like the exact Mini Cooper that we all know and picture in our brains as soon as we hear the name. But you can tell, for some reason, it feels like it's related to the Mini Cooper, at least visually. Yeah, they did a really nice job of keeping the visuals intact. So this sells pretty well. And this vehicle, I don't even know what this package is. It yeah. includes the untamed package. What does that which, mean? <laughs> I, mean. I, I wrote about it and I still don't know. <laughs> I know. Um, but it's special wheels and tires, really special wheels, really weird exterior graphics. It's some cool interior materials graphics, plus a giant untamed badge on the fender. Uh, <laughs> it's not a very expensive package, but it is weird. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I'll have to argue it was at least fun. Yeah, so it was fun, but you're not quite sure what untamed means. That I mean, no, no. Now your commitment is low. It's a fifteen hundred dollar package. It does get you a car that looks different than other mini uh, clubmans out there, but uh, I, I don't know what it gets you. Well, I, I would like just for the untamed p- panel to be on the car. That's the thing that I would. 
<laughs> that I would most want, uh, I think. Um, but that, and and how was this car to drive though? Actually, um, like every Mini should be, it's actually a great deal of fun to drive. It gets a little bit expensive, uh, and it's roughly the size or competition for for like uh, your girlfriend's CX five. It's about that size. But this yeah. car came to forty five thousand two hundred fifty, kind of a lot of money uh, for a compact crossover. But I would argue that if you like to drive. This is a good way to go because it is fun to drive. It is quick. It's fun. It's quirky. Uh, there's a lot there to like. The fuel economy is excellent. There's really no drawbacks to this, except that Mini does have some reliability issues. Okay. Now, when you're driving in something like this, you don't have to worry about the drive-through window. Is that a problem at all? <laughs> eh. <laughs> I find that a lot of the people with these windows have long arms. Yeah, they do. Well, I'll tell you, we have not gone through a drive-through in the Durango yet. That'll be interesting to see what happens because that thing is. I'm telling you, I'm not kidding about like climbing in. I need a stepladder to get into that <laughs> damn car. It's just ridiculous. What's the biggest car you've ever driven, Tom? Like the car, like a car that was so big, you were like, "What the hell am I? Who, who's going to drive this?" Like, you know, what's the the a vehicle that you drove that was like this is way too big? I have driven some commercial vehicles, um, and I, I once drove a Ford F four fifty which is actually medium duty, uh, but it did have a pickup bed. And that was gigantic. And I remember trying to get through a, a lane at the bank where, oh I, wanted, where I wanted to hit the, uh, the ATM. I almost called it the cash station, the ATM. And- <laughs> Man, we are showing our age today. Holy crap. <laughs> wow, the cash station. Okay, so you're going to hit the ATM. You're going to hit the old and- cash station, yeah. And even though I, I consider myself a seasoned, seasoned veteran of driving things, I decided to park the car and walk in. Yeah. It, just, it, it was just too wide. But I've driven that. And I also remember driving the Hummer H2. Oh, God. Um, when I, I felt like totally, um, <laughs> what a tragically stupid vehicle. Yeah. But, uh, but that was just and kind of difficult to maneuver because it was just high. Not only was it weirdly uh, wide, it was high. It wasn't very long. Yeah, uh, it was an awkward looking thing and an awkward thing to drive. Yeah, boy, a Hummer. I can't even imagine. <laughs> because, I mean, obviously, if we think that this Dodge Durango is, you know, like a giant car. Can you imagine? I mean, I can't even imagine how much bigger a Hummer would be to drive. My God. Yeah, the Hummer was uh, glad it's gone. And there yeah. is a new Hummer now. Uh, Uh-oh, that's, that's, there is? That, There's a new Hummer? Well, yeah, people may not know this. Hummer is now a model lineup under the GMC line. And those are all electric vehicles. And, and though the, the vehicle is massive, at least it's electric, and it, it is mechanically interesting. I have not driven one yet, but people who have driven it are pretty impressed. Wait, so the new Hummer is electric? Yep. Wow. How does that even—I mean, well, first of all, does it take 14 years to charge? What—I uh, what, mean, I mean, my God, an electric Hummer. I never thought I would ever hear that. Actually, it does take forever to charge because it is a massive battery. I think it's yeah. 212 kilowatt hours. It might be bigger than that, but just a gigantic battery, and, and it weighs about 9,000 pounds oh or God. about the weight of two Durangos. And, oh, and my God. So it is absurd, and the absurdity is sort of cloaked in the fact that it's green because it's electric, although it does use an awful lot of electricity to get around. Yeah, okay, so... An electric Hummer. All right. There you go. All right. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to like a weird concept car from the 80s that you sent. And I this this is so crazy, Tom. And I have to say, I don't remember this car. Should I remember it? No. Um, no, I think I think you would remember it if you were really into cars yeah. in the 80s. That's the only reason why you would remember this. Well, tell us. Is it, am I pronouncing it right? Is the Bertone Romaro? It's actually Bertone. 
Oh, Bertone, of course. Of course it is. And, yes. And okay. if it matters, I've I've been mispronouncing that for 40 years. I've been <laughs> Bertone. So it's I Bert- was only it's Bertone. <laughs> okay. Uh, what were you saying? You were you were only what? I was only recently corrected on that. Oh, really? So for years yeah. you've been walking around saying Bertone, and it's actually Bertone. Yeah. But right. you know, I'm an American, so yeah. <laughs> damn it. And uh, so, so, <laughs> so it's the Bertone. Is it Romaro? Is Romaro? Romaro. Yeah. Okay. What the hell? I mean, I'm looking at this thing right now. What's the deal with the doors? Can you please explain? Yeah, there's a lot of cool going on here, including <laughs> the doors. And one of the interesting things about it is that Bertone was a is an it was and is an Italian design house. Uh, people might have heard of like Pininfarina as well, but there were these Italian design houses. And often if you had like a, a limited run car, a convertible or something like that, you might farm out the design to one of these Italian design houses. But often when they didn't have business or wanted to attract attention, they would build their own car. And the Bertone <laughs> Romero is is a repackaged 1984 Corvette with the bodywork. Is yeah, it's an 84 is? Corvette. <laughs> Entirely redesigned ex- externally by Barbertone, <laughs> including these doors that slide forward. And the best way to describe these doors is that they're the opposite of minivan doors and that they pop right. out and slide forward instead right. of sliding backwards. Right. And they Crazy. slide. Yeah. And they slide across the front tire. It's really yeah. weird. And by the way, uh, can you describe what the hubcap design is here? Um, I can't. And I've been talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's like a single piece wheel with a hollow opening in the middle, and it's kind of a starburst design. But it, yeah. it looks very weird and foreign. <laughs> it does. It's like a big star on the hubcap. Like a, yeah, it's very strange. You got this, and the door slides forward, and it does have, you know, it it has kind of a kit feel to it. You know what I mean? Like it does feel like I, I expect to get into this car and it talks. That's what I expect. <laughs> you know, like I get in, the door slides forward, and then it slides back, and it's just. Man, so what happened? What was, what was the fate of this thing? And I love the sales pitch that says, gives the Chevrolet Corvette an entirely new personality. So that was what they were like, like, like the Corvette needed a personality makeover. <laughs> exactly. And it's interesting because the Corvette was just redesigned and needed no help in the uh, publicity yeah. department. Yeah. Uh, it was redesigned for 84 and getting all the love it needed. It was getting plenty of magazine covers. Yeah. Uh, not much came of this, but Tony showed it in Europe, and I think it came to a couple of U.S. auto shows. And it, it got them, it got the company some magazine covers and some discussion, and put them back out there in the, in the, in the conversation. Yeah. And that's really what they wanted from it. I don't think they ever thought yeah. that Chevrolet was going to latch onto this and go, "Yeah, make us a few." Oh, that that's... was never going to happen. And and in fact, Chevrolet and General Motors did not cooperate in the building of this. Oh, vehicle. is that right? They were. They, yeah. How does that work then? How do you redesign a car and the company that you're redesigning the car from doesn't cooperate and they're pissed off about it or they don't want it, they don't want it to happen? How does that happen? Yeah. No, I don't know that they didn't want it to happen. They okay. just didn't feel they didn't feel the need to support it. Okay. I don't think yeah, I don't think there's anything acrimonious about it. It's just General Motors is like, eh, yeah. we already designed a car. <laughs> okay. We're good. All right. And, and and I love the car, the car, the 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 pictures that are a part of this. And by the way, you need to check this out. Check out consumerguide.com. Uh, forgotten concept, the Bertoni Romaro. Uh, if you want to check it out, and uh, and I love the fact that it just comes in puke green. That was the uh, that's the color. I think that's the actual color, right? Puke green, I believe is the it color. is. It is a weird color. Yeah, and it seems yeah. most of this car looks very eighties, but that color is very seventies. It's seventies, yeah, absolutely. Wow. All right, well, make sure you check that out. And uh, so now, are you like now going to be doing articles or pieces? 
uh, about uh, TV characters and their cars. Is that going to be like a regular thing now? Because you did, uh, what about their Saul? Better, <laughs> better call Saul. And now Bob's Burgers. You've handled Bob Belcher and Bob Belcher's car. You're talking about Bob Belcher, Bob from Bob's Burgers car. Tell me about how that started and what, 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 uh, what that article is, uh, is like, because that's hilarious. One of the great things about Bob's Burgers, and this was true, too, of King of the Hill, is that cars that you saw on it typically were real cars. And yeah. I don't think that anyone but car buffs realize this, but, but the Bob's Burger car, which I just assumed everyone knows, and they probably don't, is so perfect for this guy's life. It, mm-hmm. it, it, was, the, it was the Plymouth Volare, <laughs> which was, was just was a kind of a tragically bad car anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was the perfect car for people who really weren't getting the car they wanted. And... <laughs> See, now, I didn't realize what the car was. I love Bob's Burgers. I love yeah. the show. I love the movie. I love the movie from last year. I thought it was great. And I didn't really realize what car it was. And then when I read your when I read the thing here and that it was a Plymouth Volare, I do remember the Volare car. And yeah, that's so so it suits the personality of the person driving it, the character driving it. It really does. And it's the kind of car that, that there were a lot of problems with this car when it was first introduced, but the engine, people might remember the slant six, a Chrysler engine of, of very, very long pedigree. Uh, not a good engine in terms of refinement or power but durable as heck and and it's the kind of this car will run forever for bob and never make him happy <laughs> which is his life actually yeah that, it's that, perfect that totally makes sense that's it's completely good car casting it's Absolutely. good car casting god that's funny are you going to continue this as kind of a series like going back and like i know you've done it in the past you've talked about tv characters cars i mean you could write an entire book on rockford's car i mean my god uh, we, I've actually covered that. We've got yeah, I know you have. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you did. I have no doubt. We've talked about that car 900 times on this show. But yeah, have you, have you anything in the future? Have you, are any other uh, um, like TV show characters, cars popping out at you that you want to write about for the future? I might do one on the very strange cars in the background on King of the Hill. There, <laughs> there's, there's an episode where there's an establishing shot uh, of the Hill household, and in front of it, we just mentioned Bertone. Bertone d- designed a version of the Volvo, uh, the 240, called the 262. They did? They yeah. did? <laughs> yeah, and it's a weird car. Didn't sell well in the U.S., almost completely forgotten. And here's one of them in front of this king of the, the, the king of the Hill. Get out of here. And it's like, this is on purpose. This <laughs> is way too weird yeah. to be an accident. God, that's so funny! Oh, that's but, so funny! Yeah, that'd be—I would love to read about that. If you wrote about like weird cars, you know, showing up on King of the Hill or any of these other shows, man, that's hilarious. That is so funny. So, I mean, did this company, did the Bertone company or Bertone company, all they did was redesign other cars? Is that what they did? I mean, they were a design house, and sometimes they were a manufacturing house. They could do yeah. low volume manufacturing. Yeah, but they were a little bit like Carmen. If people remember the name Carmen and the Volkswagen Carmen Ghia. Oh, yeah. Car- yeah. The Carmen Kia yeah. was, was nothing more than a Volkswagen Beetle sent to Carmen right. uh, for unique bodywork and assembly. And what you ended up with was a relatively affordable uh, Volkswagen reliable car that happened to be absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, utterly unspecial under the hood, but yeah. really a good looking car. That's and that's great. the kind of thing that these design houses do. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Well, you can you can check all of that out uh, at um, at consumerguide.com, Consumer Guide Automotive. Check out the podcast. All these articles that we've been talking about. You can see the pictures. You can read the pieces. It's fantastic stuff. But one of the other things that we talked to Tom about is he likes to watch a lot of old TV, especially old westerns, uh, to the chagrin of his wife. And he likes to, <laughs> when he spots old stars or old actors and actresses making cameos or appearances on shows that are a little bit unusual, uh, he will snap a photo, a screen cap, and then throw it up on the uh, social medias under the hashtag star spotter. Tell me about some of the stars that you spotted since the last time we spoke. Yeah, very exciting uh, cameo by George Lindsay on Gunsmoke. That's, of course, uh, Goober. Yeah. I always want to call him Gomer, but he's Goober. He's Goober, yeah. Goober yeah. from the Andy Griffith Show. Playing basic Goober. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think that guy had a lot of range. Um, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. So there's there's George Lindsay on, on Gunsmoke. Uh, good guy, bad guy? Was he just an idiot? What's, uh, he was the child of a bad guy. Oh, the child of a bad guy. Okay. Yeah, and he was kind of a mope himself. Okay. All right, what's next? This one's so weird, I don't even know how to explain it. But but the woman who played Mrs. Livingston on The Courtship of Eddie's Father on Rawhide. Uh, her name is Mayoshi Umeki. I yeah. didn't know that. And, and the improbable story goes that she, uh, as a Keisha, was part of a wagon train, got lost, and... <laughs> And and Clint Eastwood and Clan ran into her and had to take her in. Oh, and of course, her 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 Geisha girl ways changed their lives, not entirely for the. Better. I see, I see. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't picture Mrs. Livingston in any other role than Mrs. Livingston. You know what I mean? Like, no. if you and and I bet when you saw her, you went, "Oh my God, that's Mrs. Livingston." I didn't even know the actress's name. It may, you know what I mean? But, yeah, I didn't either. It, I just said, oh, Mrs. Livingston. Right. Being Mrs. Livingston. <laughs> that's right. On Rawhide, hanging out with Clint. E wow, that's like a whole collision of universes right there, man. It, it was. And <laughs> and they they managed to tap dance around actually being um, racially insulting, but they yeah. got close. They it got, got close. close. Of course it yeah. did. Of course it did. <laughs> uh, all right, getting back to Rawhide. Now, here's a duo right here. Man, tell me about this one. And they were they were like a pair in the they were like it was like a, you as as you mentioned here, kind of an of mice and men kind of thing. Yeah, Claude Akins and Bruce Stern uh, had signed up with signed up with the uh, the Rawhide Drive, and uh, uh, I can't, I'm trying to remember the actual plot, but they volunteered to do something dangerous to save a life for money. So they're kind of sleazy. Okay. And Bruce Stern, of course, Bruce Stern is always sleazy. Always, in yeah. Always yeah. in westerns, always sleazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and so this was this was true to form. That guy just always creeps me out, and, yeah. and he did again. Yeah. Claude Akins and and Bruce Stern on Rawhide. That's spectacular. Okay, and then the last one is Perry Mason, and uh, you know it's not a western, but again, that is a full on weekly yeah. running gag on Sven Gulli's show. Sven Gulli, every time he tells you about the cast of whatever movie he is showing, inevitably <laughs> at least two or three people at least appeared on, on, on Perry Mason. It's gotten to the point where now where he plays the Perry Mason theme sting the, every, <laughs> every five minutes on the show. It's hilarious. But Perry Mason, you saw a cameo on that one. It was, uh, yeah, Alan Hale, the skipper on Perry Mason. And, and in this case, Alan Hale was playing a kind of a dullard uh, property investor, a real estate okay. guy. Yeah, and, and he was, he's being played for a fool. Oh, no. He's not wearing a skipper's hat, is he? He's not, no. But oh. he, does, he does have a hearty guffaw. 
He does. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good. So the skipper on Perry Mason, Claude Aikens, Bruce Stern on Rawhead, Mrs. Livingston on Rawhead, and, and Goober on uh, on uh, Gunsmoke. That's fantastic. Yeah. Now, what was your hashtag mystery show? Uh, what, what was that one? I guess I knew about this show and then completely forgot about it, but it was Baywatch Nights. Which oh, yeah. I'm stunned to learn ran three seasons. It did. It did. It ran three wow. seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, for for you for for you not being initiated into the world of Baywatch Nights, it was a pretty spectacularly awful show because what they tried to do was take Baywatch with all the TNA and the stupidity, and then add the X Files. That's what they tried to do. It was oh. like if we add weird sci-fi slash supernatural crap to this, it'll be <laughs> it'll be more interesting. And that's what they tried to do. That's what for the most part. I mean, they, they kind of abandoned that that concept after a little while. But the initial idea was Baywatch meets X-Files. That was the original idea. That's a terrible idea. It's, I know it is. <laughs> That's a terrible idea. Yeah. Wow. And then I found a picture of the cast. Yeah. And, I, and there's a guy in there that looks like Lou Rawls. And I'm like, Lou Rawls? And it turns out it is Lou Rawls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, you you were looking at it going, there's no way that can't be Lou Rawls on no. Baywatch Nights. <laughs> I was pretty sure that like Lou Rawls kind of wrapped up his career singing station bumpers for WGN TV. No, like, he wrapped, that's the last yeah. thing we know about that guy. No, he wrapped it all up on Baywatch Nights. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. All right, well, keep watching those TV shows and Hashtag mystery show and hashtag star spotter. That's where you'll find that. And I'll check out all of your great, uh, your great car stuff at uh, consumerguide.com, consumerguide automotive. It's Tom Appel and Tom, thanks for all the, uh, for the info and the, and the background on the Dodge Durango. And when we'll, con- I'll, I'll continue to be winded every time I get into my girlfriend's car. <laughs> Sounds good. So, all right, buddy. Take care. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> all right, man. See you later. That's Tom Appel. He's the best. Check out consumerguide.com for all your car needs. And hey, you got joke needs? Well, my dad's going to take care of them right now. It's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. Here we go with your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Oh, yes! Here we go! That's right. It's time for my dad to tell a joke. Every Tuesday, my dad tells a joke, even when it's for the people. Because it's for you. You are the people, and you love my dad's jokes. All right, Dad, hit it. What did the French groundhog see on Groundhog Day? A chateau. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, all right. My dad being all kinds of French and bilingual today. Chateau. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. And he will tell that joke again. Not that joke, but he'll tell another joke next Tuesday as he does uh, every first Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> uh, every Tuesday uh, of, 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 uh, of the week. So there you go. All right, that's my dad telling jokes. I want to thank the For the People guys. Herb Weisbaum, check him out at checkbook.org. He is your consumer man. And the great Tom Appel, check him out at Consumer Guide uh, Automotive. And uh, he is the uh, car guy. So uh, next time on the podcast, Eric Childress and Steve Procopi are going to join me. And we got some big movies to talk about, including the new Marvel film, The Marvels. 
and some other movies as well. Catch up on some of the older older films as well. So the great movie critics Eric Childress and Steve Procopi joined me for uh, that visit, and uh, and so much more coming up uh, right here on uh, the Nick D podcast. Oh, by the way, I believe on the next episode, if I'm not mistaken, Slap Slapley will join us. That's right, our British bomb vivant for another round of Slap Slapley's 80s 90s trivia madness. So Slap Slapley and Eric and uh, Steve, that's what's happening. And Esmeralda, of course, returns for the next episode of the podcast. So please, please, uh, please uh, subscribe today and check us out. Be a sponsor, sales at radiomisfits.com. Leave a voicemail message at 773-417-6948. Leave us an email at nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Be a part of this podcast. Jason Skaggs, thank you for all the music and the sound. Please take the time to rate, review us, and share on every platform. Ed, my main man, you rule, and everybody at Radio Misfits. Thank you so much for being with us, and we'll see you next time on the Nick D Podcast.